is sunshine and it's going to be warm. That's exciting, I think. It is for me anyway, except for the thunderstorms. They're even kind of exciting as well. Uh, but uh, there will be a lot of mud. But there will be sunshine. So spring is good. Uh, but it's not actually spring yet. So I have another month or two of winter. So there will probably be some more snow. Uh, things are always changing. But uh, I want to remind you of last week's sermon. We are on a series of talking about worship. So last week, we need to review that so that we can caught up for what we're going to discuss today. Um, we were talking about the Jews, and they were in Egypt. Now, the reason the Jews were in Egypt is because they had, they had went there because Joseph was sold into slavery, and, and um, then he resided in Egypt, and they were doing well for a while, but then the Jewish people were doing so well that they uh, increased and multiplied in number, and then there were so many of them that the Egyptians they thought uh, they were threatened, and they thought, well, the Jews are going to take over Egypt pretty soon. So then they oppressed the Jews. They uh, made the Israelites, the Jews, their slaves, and they forced them to do the labor to build the things of Egypt. Well, God's people, Israel, the Jews, God's people need to worship God. That's what he has commanded for them to do, and so they needed to worship God. But Pharaoh would not let them worship God. He wouldn't have it. He wanted all the worship to himself, um, no worshiping God. Well, uh, let me remind you that nothing stands between God and his people if they are seeking him. Nothing. And he shows this to Pharaoh through the plagues. There's several, lots of plagues that happened, um, horrible plagues, until finally... Pharaoh lets the people go. And then we have the Exodus, the people um, leaving Egypt, God's people, and they are then um, on the path to freedom, on that path. And what's the first agenda that God gives them? It's for them to worship him. First thing on the agenda for God's people, worship God. Serious worship. God calls his people to worship him on the mountain, to worship him as one body of believers. And God warns his people. He says, don't come near me. Don't come near me because you won't be safe. And the people fear his presence. They are afraid of being near God, but they are willing to serve him. But God wants to dwell among them, even though they are afraid of him, even though they can't come near him. God wants to live among his people. So he instructs them to build a tabernacle. Now, what a tabernacle is, is a temporary dwelling place for the Lord. A temporary place. God requests that they bring offerings in order to build the sanctuary of the tabernacle. It would be a holy place, the most holy place, the part of the tabernacle that is the holy of holies. And he outlines that. He gives detailed instructions about how to worship himself or how they are to worship him through the tabernacle. God is serious about worship. God is serious about worship, so we should also be serious about worship. As I said, he gave very specific instructions to Israel 
regarding how he was to be worshipped. And this is because he is a holy God. A holy God, and therefore, his worship must, his worshipers must be holy as well. In order for his worship to be holy, we must be holy. And so he gave instructions, very specific instructions for the worship, and laid them out in the text of Exodus and Leviticus. They were to be followed precisely in order for God's worship to be accepted by him. Now here's a few things that we must take note of regarding the process of worship. First of all, the word holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now the Webster's Dictionary, uh, its definition of holy says exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Uh, It's impossible, right? Impossible for us to be holy, uh, complete devotion, perfect. Uh, It's kind of like this. Possible as a computer that you need to use to do your work on, and yet the password has been changed by someone else, and you don't know the password. The computer is useless. And I know some of you uh, may be computer whizzes, and you think, well, you can, you can start it up in safe mode and do certain things, and maybe you can pull the hard drive and get the information out, but the point is that you can't use that computer unless you have the key to get into that computer. Or maybe it's like an engine. Every combustion-chambered engine requires a spark inside of it to run. That spark needs to combust the cylinder. And if you don't have that spark or, and the, the ignition or the coil pack that causes the spark, that engine won't run that one key thing. Maybe you're making a batch of bread and you want a nice fluffy, big, oh, I love my mother's fluffy loaves of bread. So good. Warm butter on top and jam. But you know that bread will not rise without the yeast. You can't make a big old fluffy uh, loaf of bread without that one little key of yeast. Uh, Recently I've been into ham radio. I love uh, the idea of being able to use a simple little electronic thing and talk across the world for free, nobody regulating it. And I was, uh, I was conversating on one of my radios, or I was getting ready to the other day, and I forgot to plug the, the antenna in because I was moving it around. And that, that uh, precise uh, radio instrument that's been put together for long-range communication wouldn't uh, key the other radio in the house, which was uh, probably 20 yards away because I didn't have the antenna plugged in. The antenna had to be plugged in for it to work. You and I are required to be holy, to provide God holy worship. Seems impossible, yes. Unless you have the one and only part of the equation that makes it possible, and that is Jesus. That's Jesus. But Israel didn't have Jesus. 
Jesus wasn't around uh, in the time of the Exodus, in the time that God was uh, laying out these instructions that we read in the books of Exodus and Leviticus. He wasn't, he wasn't there. He was, he was present, but he hadn't came to the earth, the world, to give his life as an atonement for our sin. He hadn't came yet. And Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 and 2 Let's read this part of the instructions. The Lord also said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So no no Jesus here that atoned for the sin yet. So he gives a long list. In the next uh, several chapters, he says, Each of you must respect your mother and father. You must observe the Sabbath. You must sacrifice correctly in just the right way to me. You must harvest the crops in such a way that you leave the outside portions so that others can glean who need it. You must not steal. You must not cheat each other or bring shame to the name of your God. You must not rob your neighbor. Don't twist justice in legal matters. Don't spread slanderous gossip. Don't stand idly by while your neighbor's life is threatened, and so on and so forth. And and chapter after chapter of these regulations and rules of how to worship them. There's another part of holy that we uh, we must understand. To be removed from common use subject to special treatment. One definition says that being holy is to forfeit to the sanctuary. Now, what does that mean? To to forfeit, to set aside for the sanctuary. This room right here that we are in right now um, is traditionally called a sanctuary. And we could probably say incorrectly, called a sanctuary. The, the reason it's called a sanctuary it goes way back to the, the tabernacle and that sanctuary where the, the Lord dwelled in the Holy of Holies. But uh, as, as tradition has it, as the church go on, goes on, we build these buildings and we have this place that we coined the term sanctuary because everything in this place is set aside for the specific worship of the Lord. The, the views of the pictures on the wall, the the verses, the, the, um, the stage, it's all uh, geared towards worshiping the Lord. It has been set aside specifically. You don't see a pulpit in your living room. It's specific to worship. It's been set aside. If you set something aside for a special purpose, you usually take care of it. It's, it's safe and taken care of. I think about your uh, fine china. That's what it's like. You only get out your fine china on special occasions because if the kids use it every day, they'll have uh, a piece of dish and, and they'll be carrying it across the floor and drop it and break it. It's reserved, set aside for special use. Maybe it's that restored plastic car that you've spent years working on or paid lots and lots of money on. You don't take it on the roads in the wintertime when the salt has been spread. You reserve it for the sunny days 
you take it to the car shows, and maybe it's that Browning Satori over and under shotgun that you don't take through the pheasant field because it'll get scratched up by the briars. You reserve it, set it aside for skeet shooting, going off to your buddies on Tuesday night. Now, I don't mean that being set aside. Uh, forfeiting for the sanctuary means that we are fragile. Not at all. The China is fragile, but in this case, uh, we are not fragile. We are to be used for a special purpose. Speaking of God's people, His people, we are to be used for special purposes, set aside for the sanctuary. That which has been forfeited to the sanctuary is no longer used for anything else. Check out Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 4. It says, Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. There's all kinds of wicked ways of worship that was taking place back then, including temple prostitution and sacrificing their, their young ones to, to the little letter fake gods, little letter G fake gods. Folks, we are removed from that. Removed from that. Set aside for sacred worship. God's holiness dictates His commands for how He is to be worshipped by His people. Moses set up the tabernacle. The, the scriptures, scriptures. when you read about it, um, God's telling Moses how to set it up. And, and it says that Moses set up the tabernacle as God had commanded him. Moses did this as God had commanded him. And it says that at least eight times in the scripture, talking about how to do the tabernacle. As God commanded him. Through the process of setting up the tabernacle, what was God trying to teach the people through his commands and instructions and requirements for worship? What was God trying to teach? Because he's trying to teach something. Anytime that we are commanded repeatedly, you know, when your, when your parents used to say something over and over and over again, they're trying to get it through to you so that you understand it. God is telling us there is a certain way that he wants to be worshipped. What has God commanded? Well, that question can be answered by one verse. Simply answered, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Do what is right, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do what is right, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. In, in building the tabernacle, Israel had to follow all the rules and specifications as God had commanded them because it was right. Because God is merciful to forgive them of their sin and so they could walk humbly with their God. Now why are these rules and instructions about how to build the tabernacle in our text here in our scripture in our Bible why are they there if that was under the old covenant and we are now under the new covenant of Jesus why are we able to read this and how are we to apply it to our lives well the Lord gives us these instructions as a pattern 
there to be as a pattern for future believers. The specific instructions in the Old Testament are an illustration for our present time and a pattern of heaven. All of us could need or could use a little bit of instruction now and then. Uh, sometimes I wish I had a play-by-play, a special Bible that God wrote to me of exactly what I do every single day. But we have instruction enough in His holy word. Specific instructions, as a matter of fact, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 through 9. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. There's that word, pattern. Exactly according to the pattern. Right before our eyes, we have a pattern laid out here in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 9 discusses all the rules about building the tabernacle. Uh, it, the title of chapter 9 is um, Old Rules of Worship. And then verse 9 goes on to say in, um, in, in chapter 9 and verse 9, this is an illustration pointing to the present time for the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not to cleanse the, or are, are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. And it discusses how these regulations were in effect only until a better system could be established. Until a better system could be established. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 says it again. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Our high priest, Jesus, is the one that we have. He is where he dwells, the sanctuary is. And these verses say that old covenant is there to remind us, but the pattern will change. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God. At the place of worship, he himself will choose among all tribes the place where his name will be honored. He says in verse 8, your pattern of worship will change. Now in the New Testament, there's only one way to the Father, and that is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, the place will also change. The place will change. God's sanctuary is no longer the tabernacle. We do, have, we do not have a tabernacle to worship in. The place where God has chosen for his name to dwell and to be honored is now in the heart of the believer. In the Old Testament, there's only one place to worship the tabernacle, but now God dwells in our hearts through faith in Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Then Christ will make his home 
in your hearts as you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. But nothing says it more clear than Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives within you so that through your body, though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. He lives within us, fellow believers. The old patterns of priestly duties and sacrifices have been fulfilled through Jesus, the one who lives in us. Now we are being built daily into the tabernacle of God, and his dwelling place resides in us. Our main focus for the first part of this year, 2023, is serious worship. Worshiping in a serious way. And again, I don't mean serious as in stone face. I mean serious as in when we do it, we really do it. The main focus of Exodus and Leviticus is the, seri- the service of worship at the tabernacle, the laws and the regulations for worship. And we can see through that that God is serious about worship. So let's look at some specific ways of worship in the pattern that we get from these books. Uh, building the tabernacle. People brought materials and resources when it was time to build a tabernacle. They gave what they could. They brought their skills. They uh, were metal workers and mason workers. There were folks who worked with wood and and, uh, folks who worked with cloth, weaving and sewing the the curtain that was to separate the Holy of Holies. There was bringing animals uh, to help the construction of the the building and the places there. There was uh, probably the cooking of food for the workers who were working on it. You know, it's going to be great to see this kind of thing in action as we take the next step in our new building here in Colma. See everyone bring their gifts to uh, make it happen. And we've already seen a lot of that. You guys have been uh, really uh, amazing at just pooling together and bringing resources to to work on our new building. Sometimes uh, when our building team meets, I wish we had specific instructions like the tabernacle. Let's just build it exactly like the tabernacle, but we don't have that much gold and that much um, other stuff that they use to build the tabernacle. And, and that doesn't mean anything anyway because the sanctuary of God dwells in us, and so we just need to build a simple building to meet in. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility, that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Gifts. We all have them. One of the greatest ways that we can seriously worship God is by using the gifts that he has given us. What is your spiritual gift? Do you know? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? And if you do, have you used it to worship God? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each one of us, each one of you, a gift that is from his great variety of spiritual gifts. He says to use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Fan into flame the gift of God. Now it's interesting how fanning into flame the gift that God gave us kind of relates back to the original worship when there was the tabernacle. Part of the worship there would to be bringing sacrifices, animals and and grain offerings there, and they had to uh, burn those sacrifices with fire, fanning the flame. And here in our New Testament scripture, after Jesus died for our sins to save us, Paul's saying to Timothy, fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. So here we are with ourselves, offering our gifts. God says, fan it into flame. He says, take it seriously in worship. While worshiping, fan it into flames, your gift. Now let's review what God has commanded us. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, to do what is right to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and also to love your neighbor. Now, how much do we love our neighbor? How much if we're to love them? Jesus says to love one another as I have loved you. Well, that's serious. That's the greatest love that could ever be, that one may lay down his life for another. And Jesus did that for us. And by the way, let's, let's make a habit of reconciling with our brothers and sisters before presenting offerings at the altar because Jesus tells us to do that as well. When things are not well between us, let's make it right as the body of Christ as his sanctuary, we are called to live in unity. And it is by the blood of Jesus that we are made holy. 
so that we may draw near to worship without fear. If we put our faith in the Lord, if we have repented and if we have walked with Him, then we are holy, holy, and able to give God holy worship. Folks, we are the sanctuary, the church, the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, says we are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. A holy temple. Today is as good a day as any to worship God. Maybe you haven't been in the habit of, of worshiping God, or maybe you just haven't uh, taken worship seriously. It's a good day to get back into it. Maybe uh, you've never been to the point in your life where you placed your faith 100% in Jesus, and that's really the best place to start worshiping. Place your faith solidly in Him. Today is a good day for that. Now, in the old, old days, uh, maybe uh, other churches do it today, I guess, as well, uh, they would have a time of invitation. Our, our last song is still called the Invitation Hymn. And not many years ago, uh, we would have an invitation at the end of every message here. And I've, I've gotten away from that. We've bunched as many chairs in here as we can. And we don't have a uh, center aisle for folks to come forward. And uh, that's unfortunate because the hymn of invitation is a time to where if God is putting it on our hearts to make a change, and that change is defined by God, it's not defined by me, the pastor, who's calling for the invitation. It's defined by God who would call you to make a decision. Maybe that decision is to take worship more seriously. Maybe it's to give your life to Christ if you've never done it before. Maybe it's to take this year seriously in living your life for Him. Anything that God puts on your heart, this last song is a time of invitation. And I will be up front here to receive you if you want to come and tell me about that or if you would like to tell the congregation, about that. Now with that being said, I want us all to, to bow our heads and pray and the band can come forward and prepare us for worship. Lord God, I thank you so much. Thank you so much that you've given us a pattern of worship that those folks uh, a long time ago, many years ago, Lord, you told them exactly how to do it so that we can see that you are serious about worship. Lord, you gave us the pattern through that text that shows us that the sanctuary is to be taken seriously. Lord, we understand now that that sanctuary is within us, God. Help us to take us seriously because Jesus lives within us and help us op to operate as your body, Lord. Help us to show love to our neighbors. Lord, as much love as you showed us, let us not forget, Lord, that you didn't stay where you, where the cross sent you to conquer death. And by doing that, you give us eternal life as well, Lord, for that we are grateful. Lord, I pray now, if you are putting it on anyone's heart to, to surrender to you, to your way, Lord, let that be a glorious decision that they have made. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Thank you for a place to worship. Thank you.
most boldness.